Hey, everybody. Last week, I told you about an online community that I run called the Product People Club. And I wanted to tell you that registration is now open. So if you would like to join, we have a few spots left. Go to productpeople.club. Thanks. Uh, this is Mega Maker, episode 37. Ah. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, gather around the Bluetooth speakers of the world. It's time for Mega Maker, and this was a long hiatus, wasn't it? Last episode was published September 2nd. That's way too long. Sorry about that. And part of the reason is I've been having these weird health problems. Um, got back from vacation and started having these dizzy spells kind of throughout my day where I just feel lightheaded or feel tingly on the top of my head, uh, maybe close to fainting. And so I've been trying to take it easy, went to the doctor and got a bunch of tests, no results yet, but uh, I'm feeling a little bit better today. So I thought I should get back on the microphone. So today I thought I would share with you a lesson that I gave during a Mega Wednesday. These are these live video events I've been experimenting with every Wednesday morning, 10 a.m. Pacific. It's kind of like a comedian, you know, goes to a local club and kind of works out material. Uh, that's what I'm trying to do with these. So they're not always super polished, but it's kind of like me expressing some new material for the first time. People have been really liking them. Uh, you can watch on YouTube or Facebook. And this one was kind of expanding on this idea of the freedom ladder. So the freedom ladder, for those of you that don't know, is going from a job you don't like or a consulting gig you don't like to the point where you are at financial independence and then after financial independence, getting to a business that you can be proud of. And as makers, I think that's what a lot of us aspire to. We want to be able to make our own things and earn an independent income from them. Well, in this lesson, I talk about how do you actually go out and find customers and how do you find something that they actually want to buy. I call it finding and validating product ideas. Let's get into it. I want to start with something I'm learning right now, real-time Justin learning. It's from a book that Alan Clement is writing. It's not out yet. And I was uh, a case study in the book. It's going to be on jobs to be done, this framework I've talked about quite a bit. And I just want to read a little section of it. Here we go. Customers do not have needs. They do not have wants. They only experience the effects of the systems they interact with. That is why when you change the system, customers' needs and wants change along with it. So here's an example. Someone who lives in New York City will want the subway to be on time, clean, and not crowded. But you take the same person, put him or her in Los Angeles, and all of those wants are replaced with new ones. Now the person cares about owning a car, parking the location of gas stations, traffic on the highway, etc. 
Were any of those wants or needs ever part of the customer? Or did they belong to the system the customer interacted with? All right, so a little introduction. Now here's the part I really like. We must abandon the idea that customers have various needs and wants. We need to replace it with the idea that all customers have only one need, to make progress within the systems they belong to. This understanding changes everything. It's going to change the way you think about coming up with product ideas. It's going to change the way you think about marketing. And it's going to change the way you think about building an audience. The reason someone buys a product is they are imagining their life being better with that product than without it. That's what gets people to reach in their wallets, take out their credit cards, and buy. And for those of us that have had failed product launches, the reason our products fail is because we aren't addressing the root underlying struggle that that group of people is experiencing. They're struggling with something and they desperately want a better life. And so if you can provide that for them with a product that takes away that struggle or appeases that struggle or helps them with that struggle, you're almost guaranteed to make sales. Now, the number of sales you make will depend on how big that market is and how much competition there is. All right, so let's get into some actual steps here. Take out your pen and paper. Here is where I want you to start. I want you to start with people. I want you to choose a specific group that meets these criteria. Number one, a group that you know, understand, and like. Number two, a group that buys things. And number three, a group that congregates online. Now this step, choosing a target market, always seems to freak people out. And one question I ask to help kind of appease people's stress is just to say, what group is already paying you for your time and expertise? So if you work at a bank, the financial industry, the financial market is already paying you for your time and expertise. If you are a software developer, people are already paying you for your time and expertise in writing code. If you are a salesperson, people are already paying you for your time and expertise in sales. And if you can even niche it down a little bit more, if you're a salesperson for brand new cars or brand new BMWs, then BMW is paying you for your time and expertise. And choosing a group that you're already a part of and that you already understand and that's already paying you will give you a huge advantage over other ideas or other target markets you might choose. Let me give you an example. My friend Francois here in Vernon, BC, is a software developer who was working full-time as a consultant. And over the years, he'd figured out that one of his best target markets was people who have Shopify stores. And so he would be building, you know, custom Shopify websites, custom Shopify add-ons for them. And as he was serving this group, 
he noticed a pattern. One customer came to him and said, could you build a add-on that sucks in all my Instagram photos and puts it into a gallery on my Shopify page and then allows me to link those photos to actual products that people can buy? Now, to me as an outsider, this idea seems kind of silly. Why would you replicate what you have on Instagram on Shopify? It seems like what people really want is for Instagram to be shoppable. It's not. And so in this case, the client was saying, you know, I like these photos I have on Instagram. They're already curated. And I'd like to be able to just put a link on my Instagram page that links them to this gallery where all of these photos they see are actually shoppable. And so that request came once. And then another customer asked him for the same thing. And then those customers told some other people, and people kept requesting this same feature. And so Francois decided to turn this into a software as a service, into a web app called like, the number two, have.it, like to have it. And he's been able to go full time on this because it's something that his target market desperately wants. If you can, I want you to take the same approach. Wherever you're working right now, whatever industry in, whatever team you're on, you know, there's different ways, different vectors in terms of where you work. For example, you might work for a bank, but you really work for the auditing group, or you, all you do is build internal tools for other software developers. But you're going to have a huge advantage. It's going to be less work if you can just observe this group that's already paying you for your time and expertise and see if there are any patterns that keep coming up over and over again in terms of possible pain points, possible struggles that you could help them with. Ultimately, you're looking to hit a nerve that makes that target group go, shut up and take my money. But how do you find a nerve like that? How do you find a struggle that is so strong that it makes people just desperate to give you their money? Well, you need to listen. Hang out and just listen. So if you're working with clients, start listening and seeing if there are any patterns in the types of requests they're asking you. If you're at work, observe and listen and take notes and see if there's something that comes up over and over again that is really a hair-on-fire type of issue, something that just makes your boss pull out his hair. And what you're trying to do is research this group the same way a biologist would research a lion in the savanna. You know, like a scientist sitting out there in the savanna is like, wakes up early and is like, okay, the lion is still sleeping, and they take a note on that. And then like, oh, the lion just woke up, okay. What does it do next? Oh, now it's, it's eating, okay. Now it's cleaning itself, all right. And they're just taking notes all day to see if they notice any patterns. You're gonna do the same thing with your group. Now, it's not always best to just observe people you know, directly at work or with clients, et cetera. Sometimes you need to do other research online. And if you're looking to get started on this, if you have a target group that hangs out online, that was why it was one of the characteristics I asked you for. If you have a group that hangs out online, you can observe and listen to them there. For example, you could go to Google and see what kinds of things people are searching, what kinds of things rank for certain keywords. 
You could go to Twitter search and in real time search what is your target market thinking about. Or go find a subreddit or a Facebook group that is filled with people in your target market and just hang out and listen. Uh, for example, if your group was designers, you might go to Designer News and every day look through what are the top upvoted items and what kinds of comments come up over and over and over again. Now, if you're a designer and you've hung out on Designer News, you would know that people switching to Sketch from Photoshop is a trend. People are looking for Sketch tutorials. People are looking for Sketch plugins. People are looking for Sketch tips. And that is a recurring pattern. There's some struggle there. There's some people imagining a better life with Sketch than without. And you might be able to jump on that platform and create something of value. Maybe it's a tutorial. Maybe it's an online course. Maybe it's a plugin, right? So this is what I mean when I say you need to research and listen. And it's the step that everyone skips. Everyone wants to jump right to the idea phase where they get a great idea and then they get to start building it. But if you want a really great product idea, it has to come from the group you're going to serve. It can't come just from within your brain. You need to have a solid rationale for that thing that you're building. And again, this is why a lot of product launches fail because they have not connected with a genuine struggle in their target audience. Once you've done weeks and months of this kind of research, you're going to develop a hypothesis. For example, a typical agile user story would go something like this. As a designer, I want an online course so that I can learn how to use Sketch and switch from Photoshop. A user story is really a hypothesis. Now, if you're familiar with Agile, you've probably heard that before, but the jobs to be done folks have a new take on the user story, and it goes something like this. When I get tired of paying for Photoshop monthly, it's a subscription now, I want to switch to Sketch so that I only pay once or only pay for support when I need it. That would be a jobs-to-be-done user story. In this case, the customer is struggling with the fact that Adobe Creative is a monthly subscription, and they imagine their life being better if they only had to pay for the software once. By the way, I'll have all these notes and links in the show notes, megamaker.co slash 37. So once you have your hypothesis, you need to go out and try to disprove it. And the way I think about this is what's the smallest thing I could create that might help me disprove my hypothesis? The reason I'm trying to purposefully disprove my hypothesis is that as creators, we're infatuated with our own ideas. And so the purpose of this step is not to fall more in love with our idea, but to basically try to shut it down before we invest too much time in it. So the earlier you can disprove it, the better. But if something can make it through that gauntlet of you really trying to disprove it, then you have a much better chance of creating something that's going to succeed. And this is how my friend Jason Cohen did it with WP Engine. WP Engine is premium WordPress hosting. And so the tiniest possible thing he could create was just him walking around 
and talking to people who had WordPress sites and saying, listen, here's what I'm thinking of building. It's going to be premium WordPress hosting that has online staging, that has automated backups, that does all your security for you so you don't get hacked, that automatically vets plugins and doesn't allow you to even add the ones that are full of viruses. And then he would ask people, what do you think? And if you've ever pitched an idea to a friend, you know, they usually say, oh, that's a cool idea. But it was his next step that truly allowed him to validate his product idea. Because people will say all sorts of things. No one wants to be rude. And so they'll say, oh, yeah, that's cool or that's interesting. But then he would say, oh, great. Could you write me a check right now for $99? Now, that's a way (laughs) to disprove a hypothesis right away. Because people are either going to be like, eh, no, no thanks, or their body language will be like begrudgingly like writing a check. But what he found instead was that as he asked people this question, which I'm sure it was scary, as he's asking people to write him a check for something that doesn't exist, he's able to see their excitement for the solution he described. As they're writing that check for him, he was able to see that they are imagining their life better with the solution he's suggesting. And that's how he started WP Engine, by getting a bunch of people to write him $99 checks. There's other ways you can prove or disprove your hypothesis. One would be to hold an online workshop. Try to see if you can get 5, 10, 20 people to show up for maybe a paid workshop on the topic you've chosen. You could also put up a landing page with a waiting list. You could launch an email course or an ebook. You could offer a productized service. So not a full like software application, but you know, just something that is somewhat automated, but somewhat depends on you. You could create an Excel sheet. You know, a lot of CRUD software, their biggest competitor is Excel. So maybe you can create an Excel sheet that does the job of software, but see, you know, does anyone want to buy this and download it? I know people who have built software businesses this way. They offered a $20 download for an Excel worksheet and then eventually iterated on it until it became software. What you're trying to figure out during this stage when you're trying to disprove your hypothesis is the answer to a bunch of questions. One, how hard is it to find customers? Two, did I hit a nerve? Did I identify the number one struggle in their life? Number three, how hard is it to get people to pay? (laughs) That's important. Number four, how satisfied were people with the solution I was offering them? And number five, do I like these customers? If I'm going to dedicate my life to this and serve these people every single day for the rest of my life, do I like them? If the answer to all those questions are, yep, thumbs up, then keep iterating on that tiny product that you created. So for Jason Cohen, what he did is he, the tiny product was just him pitching the idea and he just kept iterating on it and iterating on it and building software and showing people and kept building it and building it and building it. He started small. My friends who have Excel sheets, they did the same thing. They started creating small little software and then they built on it, built on it, built on it, and then released it. So I hope this is helpful. Folks, if you are listening right now, if you've made it through this whole episode, I would love to hear from you. I'm the letter M, the letter I, Justin, on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. 
M-I, Justin. If you can hear my voice, I'd love to hear where you're from, what you're working on right now, where you're listening, whatever. Just reach out to me and say hi. I really like getting those. Um, This podcast is hosted on simplecast.fm. This theme music you're hearing right now is striker-metal.com. And uh, again, all the show notes, megamaker.co slash 37. Thanks again, folks. I will release another episode next Friday. Well, I'm hoping to anyway. (laughs) Thanks for staying subscribed to this feed. Please tell your friends. And if you haven't already, go to iTunes, search for Megamaker, and leave a review. It helps other people find the show. And um, it actually, yeah, I really appreciate it when people do that. All right. Cheers. Cheers.